Are you the CEO of your life in biz? I'm Emily Alderson, and I'm on a mission to elevate the beauty industry one success story at a time. If knowledge is power and seeing is believing, imagine what could happen if you expanded your mind to the possibilities. What kind of shift could you make happen? This is Stories with Stylists. Till it's like been it doing you. in a minute because yeah. it. I know the, the tag worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we are back with another episode of Stories with Stylists. Our guest today is Abby. She is a balayage expert. Um, she has an academy that you can be a part of and learn all the ways. She's a salon owner and stylist, and so we are so excited to learn a bit more about her and her tips and techniques and how she's navigated through this industry. So thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Okay. So first question for everybody, where are you from and what led you to cosmetology? Well, I'm from Ohio and I live in a small town and my salon is in a small town as well, a little bit bigger, like medium sized town. So nothing crazy around here. Um, I started cosmetology, um, oh God, it's such a, you know, I've been in it for about 14 years, you know, you lose track after a while, but I started cosmetology, not like most people, like I did not do hair in high school, I didn't mess around with it, I have a ton of hair, so I always had a big triangle on my head, and I was trying to get straight, uh, you know, I, I graduated high school in 2001, so everyone had thick straight hair. And I didn't even have like a real flatter. And so I'd use a curling iron. So I'd always get a big flip at the end. It was just, it was not my calling in high school as an athlete. I excelled at that. That's what I did. So what I did then, because I was just the regular high school girl, I went to college and I was miserable. I was miserable in college because every, I mean, hopefully it's changing. I hope it's changing um, in the next 10 years or like when my kids go older, but When I graduated high school, that's just what you did, right? You went to college. That's what everybody did. So I went to college um, because I was supposed to, and I majored in fashion merchandising. I did start to get a love of fashion, and I I worked at um, a clothing store, which I loved, but really I just learned I loved to work. And... um, but I was, I was miserable at it. I, I struggled to get good grades. Um... And honestly, I thought, and here's, and this is what I would like, because I think hairstylists can relate to this because we all have to find our thing. And just because you're not good at, you're not like smart in the traditional sense, doesn't mean you're not smart. So I really thought I can think back to that, you know, 20, 21 year old girl. Cause I didn't go to hair school until I was 22. I think I didn't start at like 18, like a lot do. I really thought I was stupid. I really did. I had, I know (laughs) it makes me sad to think (laughs) that I, that was my narrative in my head back then. I thought, you know, I was really good at sports. I always struggled in high school with, with grades, but I made sure they were good so I could play sports. But then when I got to college, I never got into it like everybody else. I never like I went out and had fun with friends, but I never did the whole college scene. I just felt like fish out of water. 
I, I, but I, and so, so I thought that, well, I'm just stupid. And I remember one time sitting on the couch in my apartment, looking up like, and who the heck knows back then what I was online, like where you had to look for job openings, but I was looking for like receptionist job openings at like a doctor's office. I thought, well, maybe that's my future. Maybe I'm just not smart enough to like have a career. Like my friends that are starting to graduate college and get internships and stuff. So that's where I was at before I got into cosmetology school. And what did it was I, the one thing that I did that like just really made me happy at that time, because obviously I was feeling low about myself. Sure. I didn't, I didn't feel great about myself back then. Um, I went, and I got my hair done. Now I couldn't afford to get my hair done. I definitely put it all on a credit card that I couldn't afford as well. <laughs> but I went and got my hair done at nice hair salons. And I remember specifically, and I've even told this hairstylist, this story, who's still doing hair to this day, I would go and sit in this hairstylist chair and it was an Aveda salon. And I had never, I'm because I'm from, I'm from a village of 2000 people. I didn't know what Aveda was. I didn't know anything. So my experience with hairdressers was you went to vocational school, you couldn't do it. You know, it was all those terrible, terrible stereotypes that we're still fighting against these days that are so untrue. Um, But that was my perception living in my small little bubble of a village. And, um, so I remember going to her hair salon and getting my hair done. And there was two moments I remember. One was I was getting my hair colored. I was actually a model because I had a friend that was an esthetician there. She got me in. I got to be a model. And I was a hair color model. And they were having an Aveda hair color class. And I don't know if you know Aveda hair color, but it's quite, um, I ended up going to an Aveda school, spoiler yeah. alert, but <laughs> it's quite intensive. Um, it's very different. Their color lines, very broken yeah. down and, and all that. So I remember them um, formulating and I remember thinking in my head, remember, I didn't think I was smart. I thought I'm not smart enough to be a hairstylist because I couldn't do all that math and all that calculating. I remember mm-hmm. thinking that about myself. So then another appointment down the road, I don't know what it was, but something clicked. And when I was getting my hair done with this same stylist, I, she wasn't, she's basically my age, maybe a year or two older. I remember being blown away how professional she was. And how she didn't go to college and she was making money and she had a career and she was one of the, like, she was the top stylist in the salon. And that day, for whatever reason, my whole perspective changed on this industry. And I thought, I'm going to do that. So no joke. I researched schools. I found out she went to an Innovative Institute. because so I'm like, I want to do what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And I researched schools. I didn't go to the same one. I went to the Aveda Institute in Columbus, Ohio. Um, but within two weeks, I was down there on a visit and I signed up and I started a few months later. And that yeah. changed everything, everything. Yeah. My whole life. What was your um, support system like when you made that decision? Because did you finish college? Did you graduate? No, 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 right. I did not. So I was um, in my fourth year and I easily would have been a fifth year senior if I could have even, who knows, who knows. Yeah. So um, my family at the time didn't know how, how I am as now an entrepreneur, but this was the start of um, really making decisions off of my instincts, which I trust very much right now at this time in my life. And, um, I just told them what I did was I researched everything. Like I left nothing unturned, researched everything, how I was going to pay for it, 
went everything and they weren't happy. They weren't mm. happy with that decision, but they supported it. And I remember being told, okay, go to, go to cosmetology school, but promise me you'll get your degree. Well, to this day, they have never once held me to that because my career has skyrocketed. The sure. success I've had has been far greater than they, I, I, they never said anything negative about being a cosmetologist. Um, but you could tell to them, it was like, you need to finish college. You know, it was just classic back then. That's mm -hmm. what everybody did. Yeah. I mean, I had the same thing. I went away to college because I just thought that's what you do after high school. Mm -hmm. And similarly, I'm from a smaller town and it just like, I don't know. I just didn't know that it was like a career in the traditional sense kind of thing. Right. But yeah, it yeah, always it's, felt like it's fun. being from a small town, it was like, you just, it's, I hate saying it, but that's why it's like my life's mission to prove it wrong here. Yeah. 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 No, literally like my mom cut hobby. my hair. Yeah. 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 I didn't grow like up like, yeah, like and... at a salon. Mm -hmm. Cause no. I've interviewed a lot of women who did like, they grew up going to the salon and they loved it and they yeah. went to school, you know, either in high school or directly after. And they knew that's what they always wanted. But yeah, right. I just think everybody's kind of like experience of, of the salon in general. Although I did get perms when I was little, that was like my only salon <laughs> experience. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you still went into it. <laughs> They were good. I had like five good. hairs. Right. So yeah, it was like, it was just like that scrunch and go kind of ease. <laughs> yes. I know what you're talking about. I was never allowed to get a perm. I always wanted one, but my hair is very wavy and curly. And my, I wanted one because, you know, the curly bang, I wanted mm -hmm. that curly, like claw bang. And yeah, um, yeah. no, I wasn't, I wasn't allowed. My mother was a very smart woman. <laughs> 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 okay, so you joined up to the Aveda Institute, and mm -hmm. um, how did you like the program, and then what did you do right after? I loved it. I absolutely loved loved everything about going to the Aveda Institute. That is where I found out I wasn't stupid. I just mm -hmm. didn't have the right path, and I really gained confidence in myself and really started to visualize a future for myself, and I loved the direct path of go to hair school, learn these skills, you're going to take your test, get a job, start working. And, um, and that's what I did. So instantly I, I had, cause you know, as hairstylists, we know at school, you're learning chemistry and anatomy and all these things that typically were hard for me. I didn't, I never, if I would have taken those exact courses in a college setting or high school setting, I would have gotten, I would have been lucky to get C's. Um, but I knew that where I was at now, what, 22 years old, um, I kind of put my back against the wall and there was no choice but to succeed in this. So I went all in and focused all in. I stopped working. I just went to school. So I gained my confidence and I, I did really well. I did really well in cosmetology and was confident enough to go get my first job. So I did. I, I became an apprentice at a salon, which is what I highly recommend any stylist, but, um, and Nevada salon in Worthington, Ohio, which is just north of Columbus. So did you, so you apprenticed, um, what was that? Like, what were your roles? Was it different than you thought it was going to be? Had you been to that salon before? I had never been to that salon before, um, because I wasn't from where I grew up was like two and a half hours away from Columbus. Oh, I wasn't okay. familiar with, I moved away from everything yeah. to, to start this new uh, career. And so um, 
when I started there as an apprentice, I loved it. I learned that I really love structure and that's how I do everything for myself and my businesses and my teachings now, very structured learning environments. And it was, it was very structured. I, I assisted while I learned and that, that time for me was just so valuable and really set me up for success um, going forward. Then did you end up working as like a commission stylist or did you go into booth rental? Yeah, so that was a commission salon. So my training program, I probably got through that in about, um, probably about eight months, seven or eight months. And then I was, I earned my chair, which is a huge moment, right? And um, earned my chair and I was a commission stylist and I was very happy with that. I I learned very quickly because I was lucky enough to work at a commission salon because not all are like this where you did get an hourly rate and then um, you made your commission. Now I know there's a lot of laws out there and that's how people should do it. Um, but that's not how every salon does do it. Right. Some just pay straight commission and then you don't get paid if you don't have a client in your chair. But I was very lucky to have that proper way. And so I knew to, um, I did all my calculations and I'm like, I just have to, I remember the dollar amount. Every week I had to do at least $720 in services to earn commission. I that will be ingrained in my head forever. Um, and so I just, I, I really took off there because I just was very focused, very goal oriented. What, cause so many people don't even know to calculate how much they make at all ever until maybe tax <laughs> time comes around. But like, what do you think, was that something that your salon kind of educated you on while you were there, making sure that you knew your numbers and that hitting goals and that sort of thing was important? So a little, yes and no. So they definitely had goals and they, they posted everyone's numbers every single week for all to see. Um, and you know, that's good for me. I'm competitive. So I don't, I never minded that. I didn't want to be at the bottom of that list, you know? And, um, but I know some stylists that's like mortifying to do that. I never have, I was, I'm not anymore. I was a commission salon owner for a long time. Um, I never did that, but so that was all they did is that there were, our numbers were posted and we knew benchmarks, you know, uh, retail to service and, and things like that. But I needed to figure out how much I needed to do. I did that on my own as far as how can I make commission and take home and things like that. Trust in that instinct again. Yes. <laughs> it's so interesting when you kind of like retrospectively look at things like that, like decisions that you made that were instinctual, you know, but at the time you just are like, you just do it, you know, and then you realize, no, there was something, there was something there. There was something that like really draw, drew me to so that or true. made me do that. Yeah. Or yeah, just led you to this path. I mean, every, when you were explaining your story about every time you felt stupid, my face is just like, eh. you know, it's like that, like mom instincts. I just want to like yeah. give you a hug. Yeah. Like you're not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> But I think people do like when they find their path and even within the industry, if you may be better at cutting or coloring or styling or makeup or you know what I mean? Like it can take off in that way too. And so it's exciting Mm -hmm. when you do find your path, but like, don't beat yourself up if everything's not for you. Yes. And and when you find your path, things just start working and you don't Mm -hmm. have to. Now there's always hard work. There's always Mm -hmm. hard work, but 
things will just start happening more naturally. And then you can look back, like you said, and be like, oh, wow, that did well. I didn't realize that. But to that point, it really, it was instincts to figure out the money part um, as a new stylist, but it was survival mode. And mm. sometimes when you're forced into survival mode, you make decisions or you, you carry yourself in a different way that's very benefic beneficial to you. I mean, I know that I've definitely shifted how I've done business this year. You know, this is a year of survival. <laughs> And, um, I wouldn't have made these decisions if this stuff wasn't happening and, and they've all been good decisions. Yeah. But even having that like foundational work has really like set people up for success this year, even though it may look different than they originally anticipated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you're doing all your things, working in the commission stylist and what's next? So at this point, I, when I had moved to Columbus, I had met my husband and, okay. um, and he lived in a town about two hours completely away from Columbus in my hometown. And we decided to move. So I had been at this salon, um, for a year. I, maybe I was taking clients for a year. Um, it was somewhere around there. So I just was really starting to build up and then we decided to move closer mm -hmm. to his family, him work for his family business. So I had to take everything that I had learned and the whole clientele I built, left it all behind. And, but I wasn't afraid to do that. I was very excited. And we moved to the town we live in now. And I found a salon to work in that was 40 minutes north of where we live. So I didn't even have, so I had to start from scratch. I yeah. had to start all over. I went into another commission salon, another Aveda salon at this point. And, um, and I didn't even have like my husband's family and friends to build from here. So I started from nothing there. Mm -hmm. What, so the, the salon, I assume it was commissioned. So it was feeding you clients for the most part. When, what, what did social media look like at that time? Were you using it at all to build? No, it was non-existent. So yeah. Instagram didn't exist. <laughs> Instagram didn't exist. We had Facebook, but, um, you know, I don't even think when I, when I moved to the area that there were Facebook pages, I don't think that even existed. So that's how long ago right. this was. Um, it was probably 12 years ago. I'm going to say probably about 12, 13 years ago. Cause I've been licensed for like 14 years. So yeah, that sounds about right. Um, no, so yeah, the, the salon was an established salon. So I, I made sure to make a good decision on a salon that had the products and the culture that I liked. I, I still at that time was liking the Aveda culture. And um, then um, they had, you know, a, a healthy salon that had been at that time in business for maybe 15, 20 years, something like that. And, but they were all busy and they all had their clients. So it's not like there was just like a clientele waiting for me. So I definitely mm. had to work hard and prove myself um, in that salon because starting a new salon can be tough. Hairstyles can be tough. And I do believe experiencing the toughness of hairstylists is what started me to become an educator like I am today. Because I remember I had been working a few months and I came in there and, and hairstylists a seasoned hairstylist at this time they've been licensed for probably 20 25 years I came in the new kid with the new tricks and the point cutting and you know all this different stuff <laughs> sure. that never learned because point cutting was a big thing back in the day you know <laughs> and so 
And so um, they they were wonderful, but they also, they give you a hard time. Just that pushback, yeah. Yeah, you get that. And so you gotta, you do have to have a tough skin. And in, in that, I'm glad I had those experiences because a few months after I started, two other girls started working with us and they didn't know where anything was. The towels, you know how it is when you start a new place. Mm-hmm. You don't know where anything is and you want to help, but you can't. And I decided, I just kind of took them under my wing and I'm like, here's how we fold towels. You know, every salon has its own culture. Here's how we fold towels. Here's how we mix color. Here's where we do, right? Every salon has their little things that is just known, but nobody tells you. Mm -hmm. And I never liked that feeling myself. So that's where my educator side was born. I took these stylists under my wing and I started teaching them the ways of the salon. And that slowly morphed into teaching hair and color and things like that. Just out of curiosity, when you were doing sports and things like that, did you take on leadership roles there as well? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I truly believe if um, a hairstylist was an athlete, that they will be an incredible hairstylist for so many different reasons. One, you're a hard worker. You know what it's like to be pushed, to be coached, to mess up, have mistakes. And then also you are very in tune with techniques and um, how you body positioning and things like that. And that's where I think that balayage does well for me because I was, I played a lot of sports. My main sport was basketball. So just how you shoot the ball, your follow through everything um, really taught me how to perfect and be aware of myself and then also push myself. And I was, I was a leader on the basketball team for sure. So that does, that's a great question. And I've thought about that before. I had a feeling. Yeah. (laughs) I had a feeling that I was just like, I wonder if, yeah, that's so cool. You wouldn't think like, you know, the, the, the athlete to the hairstylist, you know, but I bet you there's a lot of hairstyles out there that were good athletes. I just have a feeling. I bet so too. Even if it's like, you know, any sort of team environment type thing, even dance or gymnastics or. Yeah. Yeah. Know, debate any, team. Technique, <laughs> yeah. any technique driven where yes where you're getting coached I think that mm-hmm. is so beneficial because we all have to be coachable in life that's for sure I was just gonna say coachability is so huge you know when I would go into classes with other stylists that free education you know and they'd be like I already know all this or oh but you know you can't it's like you can't get one like one little something out of it like yeah, that's too bad. That's, I've always said my biggest pet peeve is when stylists say, like, especially when I used to work with other, my coworkers, I already learned that. Oh, you, oh, okay. So then, all right. <laughs> I, yeah. I can't stand it because I, I will go take a basic haircutting class tomorrow and either learn something new or be re- reminded and, yeah. and realize I have a bad habit. I got a break. So Um, you'll never catch me saying that ever. I'll take the same class 12 times and learn something new every time. Yeah. And I even think like validation is just Mm -hmm. as important, you know? So yeah, you may have learned that. Yeah. You're doing it that way. Okay, good, good. Now, now I know that I am doing it the right way. Good. I'm glad I, you know, I saw that I'm, you know, it's just that kind of confirmation that is good for your That gives you the confidence and and then you can grow from there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, cool. So when did you decide to open your salon? Was it from, you worked there for a while and then decided to go out on your own or did you go out in a different way? Yes. 
so I worked there for about five years and became insanely busy and um, just, you know, worked my butt off. And it's really the, the classic story of leave a commission slot. I, there's nothing like crazy about this. It's I worked like a dog and I started to not like the way things were going there, wasn't getting to this next level that I wanted to. So I decided to go independent. But I want to say about that. I do think that commission salons get such a bad rap and, and did I hate a lot of the things happening there and the decisions made and, and how it was treated sometimes? Of course I did. But now, you know, it's been eight years since I've left there. I can look back and be like, you know, yes, I didn't like that stuff. And I was very angry about things that led to my decision to leave because I wanted more and that I knew that wasn't there, but really, it just means it's time to go and it's time to move on. Commission salons are a certain animal and they are very necessary in our industry. So I, you know, now I, I, I did own a commission salon. Now I own a booth rental salon, but, and so I've, I've had both worlds and I do believe that commission salons need to stay around um, because when stylists get out of school to get into those training programs, like I was in is so, so important. So there's a reason for them and it just not might be like your long-term thing, but just be grateful for what you did get out of it and stop focusing on what was so terrible about that commission slum because I gained so many great things out of working there that have helped me with my career today. Yeah, and I would even argue it depends on your work ethic and your goals and the things that you the things that matter to you, like for me personally, freedom is a big one. So having somebody tell me when I work, what my hours are, when I can take vacation, like having to ask for permission, that does not work for me. But if it doesn't right. bother you, I mean, I have a girlfriend in St. Louis that works at an Aveda Salon Commission and she's been there forever. And let me tell you this year when everything was closed, she got paid, you know? Yeah. When yeah. she took her maternity leave, she got paid. So there are huge benefits and she makes great money there. Yes. So, you know, I think it's just, it's a personality fit, you know? And like you said, that training, that training is really fantastic as well. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely personality fit. Like there's stylists who, who want to be in that commission setting and not have to think about a thing. And mm -hmm. then there's ones that want more for themselves and, what I think is wonderful is that we have the options now. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I think is amazing about this industry. It's not what's better, commission, booth rental. It's just where are you at in your life? And maybe it did serve you, like for myself, it served me for that first six, seven, whatever it is, years in my career. And then it didn't serve me anymore. So I moved on and mm -hmm. I grew from there. So yeah, so that's what I did is I, I did leave that salon. And now this was, I think I said eight years ago when um you know going rent going independent was not what it is today you know there wasn't all of the programs out there to teach you how to do it and there was vagaro and i i would love to know when vagaro started because i feel like i was at the very beginning of it but Same. the salon that i had left at the time did not have a website did not have a facebook page definitely didn't have online booking and that's where those instincts come in. I did not take any trainings. I just did what I thought. And thankfully, I knew I built out a website. I had a Facebook page. I had Vigaro. I had online booking. 
So when I made that change, my clients were blown away. They didn't know that stuff existed. And um, yeah, I went independent into a salon suite scenario. Okay. And um, that, you know, I was very afraid, very scared. I had, you know, non-solicitation agreements that I did not want to mess around with. And I didn't know if anybody would follow me. So again, I went, I guess it's funny. I went back to that math. How many clients, color clients <laughs> do I need a day? <laughs> I did. It's so funny to make this work. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I have that number in my head too. I needed two color clients a day to make it work, at least to just break even. Mm. So, and, when did and, your, and it was never that. <laughs> yeah. Um, making a big decision like that, like what did your husband think about it? Did you have kids or anything at the time? Yeah. So we had, oh, that's funny. So we had one at the time and she was two. I have three now. And my husband, um, he had no idea how I am, which is the crazy entrepreneur that comes up with ideas and let's do it right now. Mm-hmm. But he's supportive. So, so we planned it out. And I'll tell you this, it, we, I went into a studio suite that had nothing. So again, it's not like today. It was, it was four walls, nothing. I had to buy cabinets. I had to buy chairs. I had to buy stations, everything. We put, and we don't operate our finances at all like this anymore. We put $7,000 on a credit card because I believed in it to make it happen. And we paid that off in a year, but um, he, he was supportive and he believed in me. I don't know why the heck he did, but he did. <laughs> so we had one and then I opened and we decided to have another baby. <laughs> so we opened and I was pregnant within a few months. So I literally was building a brand new business and pregnant and had a baby the next year with my 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 second. So I have built businesses having babies along the way. And I guess I'm done doing that. No more, (laughs) no more of that. But um, yeah, so, so he was very supportive and I've definitely since then um, challenged that and he has always been supportive ever since. There is something about being pregnant I don't know. It gives you motivation in a different way. You know, it kind of changes what, what your priorities are, you know? I mean, I've grown exponentially since having kids. Not that you have to, obviously, but, um, the things that matter to me now, like I loved working. I put in all the hours before 12 hour days, like I got this and now I'm just like, nope. (laughs) Right. Don't want to do that. Kind of like my kids. I'd like to go home and see them, you know? It took me a lot longer to get to there um, because I was working the 10, 11 hour days and stuff because I started a new business and I I had to. So there was that drive there. It's like, well, I just started a new business and I got these babies. I I have to make this work. It's again, I put my back up against the wall scenario Mm -hmm. because I had to make it work. But it blew up. I took um, a maternity leave and a longer one because I could, because it was my decision. And um, I, I have uh, a system to make sure that you're busier than ever once you get back from maternity leave. And I was, I was busier than ever when I got back from that maternity leave. Yeah. I definitely found my clients had like a new appreciation for me <laughs> yeah. after and seeing I actually. I compared the shutdown to a maternity leave and that's how I did it in my head. It really felt, I mean, it was for us, it was two months, eight weeks. So 
really for us it was longer but yeah it was longer <laughs> I know I know oh at least we're still open right now everyone was worried I had so many clients messaging me this week because yeah yeah but I think yeah being ready for it what can you do? You know, know. everyone's kind of like, nobody's like in shock anymore. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you have any sort of like team environment within the suites? Like I know there's kind of community now in the suites. I don't say sweet life. It's a Disney show. But <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you know the other stylists around? Yes, because when I left that salon, there were two other stylists that left as well. Mm -hmm. And so we each rented three suites right next to each other. So that was so amazing um, to have them to just have that. But I'll say this, like, even though we were literally right next to each other, there were still those walls and we missed that, you know, you just feed off of the people next to you. And like, even if you're not talking about it, you see someone doing a haircut or color application that just it's in your brain, you know what I mean? Know it, you know, subconsciously. And so I missed that. Even though we were together, it still felt very alone in Mm -hmm. in the suite. So, but, but I was only working like that for two years before I, I changed all that up. And what gave you the go ahead to open a salon? Did it just kind of start brewing and then you kind of started looking for spaces? So I did, that was pretty untraditional as well. So what I did was, um, I was really busy and really all of my things that have gone successful for my career have always come out of a place of like big time struggle or, or something that is feels like a low point for me. So it was, you know, going to school, I didn't feel like I was smart enough. And then opening the salon, really, I never had, and I never wanted to open a salon. That was never my dream. I never really thought about that a lot. But what happened was um, I have an autoimmune disease called rheumatoid arthritis. And so what that is, is that your body, when you flare up, attacks your joints and you, it's a lot of pain. You can't move. You're on the couch. You can be on the couch for weeks. So I was working like a dog and this was, my son was six months old. I had now been in business for two years, year and a half, I think actually. And um, I had a major flare up a few days before Christmas. And I was, I couldn't hold him. I couldn't, I get teared up about this because it was hard. You know, my little chunky six month old little guy can't even hold him. My husband would bring the high chair down to where I was so I could watch him feed him. It was a really hard time. And it all was because I was working too much. I just had a baby. I was working way too much. And um, it was the holidays then. And boom, I had that flare up. I was on the couch for three weeks. And that's when my husband and I, it was really, it was very depressing to think my body isn't working. My, my yeah. brain is, but my body's not. And so my husband and I had some really serious conversations. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> I don't want to make had, you cry. No, no, I know. My dad had rheumatoid arthritis. So that's oh. like... It's like a combination oh, so of like sorry. that and then just, yeah, not being able to hold your kids. That's <laughs> So, you know, you know, rheumatoid arthritis. I get so it. You know, it's like your body is not working the way it's supposed to. Your body is attacking itself. Like, wow, yes. what? Yeah. 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 Yes. And Hard. you can't will yourself out of that. So thankfully right. I have a mild case that I can control now that I know, but um, we had some serious conversations and we said, I can't keep working like this. 
I can't keep doing this, but I am, I'm a Enneagram number three. I don't know if you know those, but I am. And I think it's the most annoying title. It's the achievers. Like that, <laughs> like roll my eyes. Like, can we come up with another <laughs> name? It's not so annoying, but I, I just, I, I keep going, you know? So I didn't want to like scale back my business. I just wanted to figure out a new way to do business. So what I, we decided to do was to hire an assistant. And then again, back then there weren't trainings on that stuff. So I'm like, how do you hire an assistant in a one chair studio and then offer them what? So I didn't know what to do. So a few months down the road, you know, once I'm better, I'm good now. And I'm like, all right, let's hire this assistant. I start um, interviewing for the assistant. Well, one assistant, <laughs> true Abby fashion, turns into four full-time commission employees. Boom. In my studio suite. In your studio? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I know. <laughs> so unconventional. <laughs> So what, it, what I did was I talked to the landlord and I said, Hey, this is what, before I actually hired these people, I said, this is what I want to do. Do you have extra suites that I can rent out? So there was a suite next to me that had a wall in between us and she allowed me to rent that one. It was larger. She actually paid to have the wall busted out. It, be, it became this three chair suite. And then I rented one random suite down the hall. And this was like, not in your typical chain suite places. Okay. We didn't have those back then where I, where I live or where I work. Um, it was just in an old house that she turned into suites. So I, that's what I did. I ran a commit of a five person commission salon, <laughs> two, two, three chairs and a, and a chair down the room and it worked. So it doesn't, things don't have to be perfect. Yeah. Right. You just have to like coke the plan and, and make it happen. And we just blew up, blew up with that. And that's when right before that is when Instagram was happening. And I was really on the top of um, marketing my business through social media, Facebook for sure at the time, a Facebook page, but then I was getting into the Instagram. So a year after that, we were completely, we couldn't operate this entire salon out of three individual suites. So this is where I freaked my husband out again. And I said, um, all right, we need to move. We need to get a bigger space. He's like, all right, let's start looking for some spaces to lease. And I said, no, I want to buy. And he goes, with what money? Because we didn't have <laughs> money to buy a building. And I was like, I don't know, we'll figure it out. So um, we did. We started looking and it was meant to be a building, a freestanding building was available that used to be a hair salon that was for sale. I know. And it had the plumbing, the electrical, it was yeah. dated all, it was so dated. It was so ugly. And so we figured it out. We got a very small loan to, to buy the building and to do some renovations. And so a year after hiring those employees, I owned a building and we moved over there and that's where I'm at still today. Now, did you change to booth rent right away or did you make a decision with those girls? I changed to booth rent two months ago. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I did, I ran my business as a commission salon. What is that for? Well, it was six years. Um, so it was five full years in the current location, but for six years, I ran the commission salon. Um, and then I made some big decisions and big changes and shook everything up kind of like how I always do. 
um, when COVID happened and not out of, we were struggling. It was out of, I need to make things work for me again. Cause remember I opened this, I, I hired people so that I wasn't overworking. Well, guess what? I worked more. Right. I worked yeah. more. Salon owners, not less work. Hello. Mm -mm. So I worked a lot more. Yes. And I was behind the chair full time and managing employees and training and all that. Oh, and I became an educator in that time as well. So yeah. One more thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I did run that successfully, successfully. So I walked away from the successful model. I did just two months ago. I I had to make that tough decision. I had to walk away from the girls that work for me. And that was, that was because I am a people pleaser. I want everyone to be happy and um, that doesn't always make a good boss. But um, so that was very hard for me to make a decision that benefited me and not others. And that was very difficult. And it was a decision a year in the making. So it's not like COVID happened and I did that. Mm. I really played around with that decision a year previous because my education business was taking off and things like that. But, um, yeah, so I made that decision. It was very difficult, but it was definitely the right decision. Yeah. Did you have pushback from the stylists? Yeah. Um, it wasn't terrible. It was, it went so much better than I thought that it would. Mm -hmm. I just had honest conversations with them. Did everybody agree or love it? No, because some didn't want to do other things, but I had some people leave, some stopped doing hair because they didn't work very much behind the chair. And then, um, I had one girl stay with me to switch over to rental. So um, I, I provided all the options, even if they yeah. weren't the perfect ones for them. So sometimes you have to make tough decisions with business, um, which I never always did when it came to other people. But I just got to a point where I have to do what's best for me and what my goals and dreams are going forward. And, and things, you shift, things change, your, your passion changes, you know. And that's okay, even though it's hard. You know, you, you, you know, one of my mentors, she said, you can do hard things and mm-hmm. you can, but it sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it can sometimes. I mean, it's, you can absolutely have both. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is change happens outside the comfort zone. And, you know, sometimes you have to make those like uncomfortable decisions in order to get to that like next level or next you thing do. that you want to pursue. Yeah. What made you um, go into education? Had you, because you were educating with Sunlights, did you go to a class with them and get excited about it? And then, and how did that kind of process work? Yeah. So I I wanted to get into education because starting from just showing people how to fold towels into, um, I became like a color coach in the Aveda scene. And when I went on my own and had my own salon, I'm not with Aveda um, people anymore, but I knew that as I was growing my salon, I loved the teaching part. And that's why I became the boss because I liked teaching. I didn't like mm-hmm. managing, but sure. I knew I wanted to teach, you know, traditionally, it's typically just for a company, teach for a company. They say, here's a class, go here. And, but I didn't know how. So I really sat on that for about two years. And then uh, I had already been playing with balayage, teaching myself. And I wanted to learn more. And this is right after she launched Candy Shaw, the creator of Sunlights. Right after she launched, I, I probably found her a year after she developed Sunlights Lightener um, through YouTube or something. I don't know. Mm. So I knew I wanted to educate for them. I didn't know if they had educators because they were such a new company. And um, 
I remember saying to myself, oh, they're at the hair show. They were at our Columbus hair show last year. It was the first time they were there. I'm going to go to that hair show in October and I'm going to go up to that booth and I'm going to say, I want to be an educator for you. How do I do this? That was my plan. So I am on their email list. You know, I'm consuming anything that they're putting out there and there's an email on the email list. And this was probably in like July of that year. I said this to myself in the spring and July, I get this email. We are um, accepting new educators. We want to have new educators. And I was like, oh my God, I freaked out. They needed to send, and this was, they do things so much more now, but I just had to send uh, a, a resume and a quick bio. That was it. I didn't have a resume. I was self-employed. So I had to send a resume really quick. I got a camera. I did a resume. Sent that out to them. Realized that he had attached it. Sent it again. Freaking out. And the next morning, I got an email. And this is from Jameson, who is Jamie's son, who is a huge part of the company. really cool moment and so I always say balayage and sunlight has changed my life because it's definitely brought me to where I am right now for sure yeah cool and then how did you end up teaching your own kind of version of that what did that process look like so with sunlight they're so great to work with because they want us we, we teach their curriculum which is the curriculum the way that I paint and I love and I believe in it and it is the best techniques and everything that is part of the Sunlight's education company um, but they really want you to build your own brand as well so my own brand as an educator and I love that because I've been building my own brand all this time as a salon owner so that was a really exciting thing for me to do so what I do is I teach Sunlight's curriculum but I have developed my own ways to teach you how to take that curriculum and build your business with that. So sometimes there's a gap, like I've learned this, but I don't know how to actually do it in the salon or how do I get my client who's been getting foils all for life to now start doing hand painted balayage and it looks weird and scary and chunky and white. What mm -hmm. do I do? So that's where my own branded education comes into play is I, I feel like I'm that bridge in between the two. And um, I've been actively building my brand as an educator and teaching for Sunlight now for four, over four years now. And it's just growing and morphing into new ways that I never expected. And I'm just, I love it. I'm having so much fun with it. That's so exciting. Yeah, your Instagram has tons of, even just quick little videos and tips. I know you have a freebie on there, um, which gives you tips and techniques and stuff. Tell everyone um, where they can find you on social media and what are your offerings right now? Yeah, so you can find me on social media at, on Instagram at Abby W. Balayage, Abby with a Y. And then, or if you prefer Facebook, I have a private Facebook group. It's called Built with Balayage. And um, what I have right now is there is an academy that is about to start in the, start up in January. So this is the first launch of this. It's been my baby for two years. 
the Built with Balayage Academy, where you can go from never picking up a paintbrush to completely building out an entire balayage business and becoming that go-to balayage artist in your area. So that starts in January. And if you want to get more info on that, just go to either my Instagram or my Facebook group. Awesome. That's so exciting. I think this will probably air right around there. We'll like match it up with your lunch. Yay. Thanks. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything with us. Um, If you like this episode, of course you will. Um, Take a screenshot, tag both Abby and me in it and share it on our social media. We love to hear from you. And Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you liked it, and I know you did, please don't forget to leave a five-star review. I love hearing from other stylists, so take a screenshot of the episode and tag me in it at Mindful Hair by Emily. If you have a story to share and would like to be on a future episode, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. We'll see you guys next Monday with more Stories with Stylists.